Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Today is Palm Sunday. Just a brief history of that. I'm going to get more into Palm Sunday next week when we talk about Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. But Palm Sunday was when Jesus rode in, right, on a, a little colt into Jerusalem. Now, conquerors rode in on those things. All right? That's very, hist very significant historically as well as prophetically. He rode in to the praises of his people at that time. And, you know, people will tell you, well, they praised him that day, and then they crucified him by Friday. So some of those people may have been the ones shouting, crucify him. Maybe not. I don't know. But the same city that welcomed him, all right, on a Sunday, they were crucifying him by Friday. So there's a lot to be learned from that. But that led, thank you, Jesus, that he had to, I praise God that he, that he did it all for us, and he made it to the cross, and he was man enough and God enough to do it. How many of you can say amen? He was man enough and God enough to do it because he even said, if, it, if it's your will, Lord, let this cup pass from me, man. This is tough. I don't want to do this. But he did it, and I'm so glad he did because, because of him. He is the symbol of suffering. We we're able to make it. There's hope for your families now because of what Jesus did. Palm, Sun Palm Sunday is part of that. This is an important day to remember. He marched in triumphantly for your to forgive your sins. He marched in triumphantly to go to battle for you. He marched in triumphantly to give you hope and forgive you and bring you home. How many of you say to me, honestly, this morning, Pastor Matt, God had to rescue me more than one time in life, and here I am because of him. Go ahead and raise your hand. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's your time to shine. It is your time to shine. Well, I'm going to continue today, and I'm going to finish up um, the classics series. We've been into it <laughs> two months now. We did February and March. We've had a lot of fun. I feel like you've gotten a lot of revelation out of it. I have as well. Um, but today I want to talk to you about someone who I believe you were called to be like. Of course, we're called to be Christ-like. But this king was a great example. And the title of today's message is Exceptional. Someone say exceptional. The easiest way to define exceptional is unusual or uncommon. Right? I think people could meet me and go, man, Matt is an exceptional talker. Right? I love to talk to people. Some could say Matt is an exceptional extrovert. I meet people. Jen and I were out of town on vacation. Uh, God, God blessed us and helped us to pay for this. And we went to a resort. And we were there just hiding out together, man. Hiding out. And God's hand was on us. But Jen knew everywhere I meet, later on she sees me and she doesn't even ask anymore. I'm like, hey, how's it going, Juan? What's up, Chavela? You know, whatever. I don't know what their names are. What's up, Shushu? That's his nickname, you know. What's up, boo? You know, I don't know, whatever. But I'd meet people because I love people, and I like to remember names, and they're important. Why are people important to me? Because they're important to God. And I happen to have an extroverted personality. I don't expect everybody to be that way. In fact, you would stress me out if you were just like me. I've had people that were like me and more, and I'm like, dude, I can't even deal with you right now. You're too much. It's too much, right? We need extroverts, we need introverts, we need outgoing, we need quiet and reserved people. But everything you have, God will use for his glory because he has called you to be, look at that screen, exceptional, unusual, uncommon. Scripture says he's called us to be, this is an odd word, a peculiar people. 
people think we're a little odd. You don't remember, God did not call us to be weirdos, right? Right? None of y'all in here are weird. Nobody in the next service, nobody on the live stream either. But I've met some Christians that are weirdos. I have. They made Christianity so weird because they were hiding their sin and trying to be a Christian and not be a Christian that they were weird. And I've met them, and I'm like, you ain't right. Something going on with you. But God has called you to be exceptional, not weird. Now, the world may even say you're weird because you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't whatever. We were at the resort, and we had people all all week long, and it was amazing. It was testimony time. We don't even have to say much. People go, hey, senor, can I get you a, you know, a cerveza or something. I'm like, no, pa' qué? Save the money. Throw those things away, right? Why? Give me, I, I, I drank hard while I was at the resort, but it was just a lot of sugar. Let's just be real. God forgive me, man. I know. And my wife, she doesn't say stuff, but she's looking at me going, you got till Friday. I know she is. I'm, I'll take a Coca-Cola, please. I'll take a, a home. Man, they would, they would make these freshly squeezed limeades with mineral water, and they'd put cane syrup in them. Some of y'all, some of y'all know. I feel you, sis. Uh-huh. You like sweet drinks. God bless you. Part of my family. I'm going to tell you right now. And they were handing them out, and I'd say, una Coca-Cola. Man. But every time they asked, um, and you know, they're offering you that because you know how it is when people are lit up or they're buzzed or they're maybe getting drunk, they tip more, I think. So they would love for us to drink. But I, I would just tell them, no, what, no, sorry, it's que no, no tomamos, we don't drink. So, and some people go, really? There were a few that got joyful. They go, y'all don't drink? That's good. And that's all they said. And we weren't trying to, man, we're amazing. No, it's just, I want all the other drinks you have. We drank coffee like it was nobody's business. I was doing double shot espressos, probably much to my wife's joy and chagrin. Because I'm all, what's next, you know? Can't sit still anyway. But we had a good old time. And I noticed that we were, in that way, because we were different, we were unusual at the resort. We're unusual. That's what God has called you to be. Not in a religious way, like, oh, y'all are drinking, man. Y'all are just going straight to hell. Not, not an attitude like that. When you're humble and kind and good to people and you just testify about what God's doing in you and you don't worry about them because you may not even know them. I've seen Christians going, you, you need to live right right now. Maybe God didn't call you to tell them that at that point. God called you to love them and be a light. You being a light, I promise it convicts people enough. There's a lot of the time that people just go, they've told me before, I, and they didn't know what I was because I didn't tell them I was a preacher, a pastor. Oh, man, I, I noticed you don't use any foul language. I'm like, why would I? The English language is extensive. I can express myself without those four-letter words. Besides, my two names are four-letter words, Matt, Senna. So those are two good four-letter words, and people misspell those and mispronounce them. Anyway, I don't know how you get Sena from S-E-N-A. Sena or Sena. I have Hispanics all the time. Hispanics go, Mr. Sena? I'm all Sena. It's an E. With, it, it's an S and an E. But anyway, let's get into the word here. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1. I'm going to read you a story like I've been doing because the full, how many of you know the full context of the story is always better than me just bouncing around? I want to get it all just like the Lord had it written, okay? So are y'all with me today? So buckle up, get ready. We're about to take flight here. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Interesting story. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Now, the only issue I have is he, he only lived to be 39. So he reigned to that point because he died. Right? He died young. But he had an exemplary life. Josiah actually means in Hebrew, Jehovah has healed. A beautiful name. So he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jadida, the daughter of Adiah. <laughs> wow. From Bozkath. Let's go on to the next verse. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. How many of you know David made mistakes, but he had a, a heart after the Lord's heart, right? He always asked for forgiveness. He was a worshiper. He loved people. He wrote songs and psalms to the Lord. He was a man of God. He did not turn away from doing what was right. We're talking about Josiah still. In the 18th year of his reign, he was 26. Y'all got that? King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, go to Hilkiah the high priest. This guy, the things of the Lord were on his mind. Are you catching that? He was a man of God as a king. The things of the Lord were on his mind, even though he was ignorant at this point. He didn't know all that the Lord had to say, but we're about to see the rest of the story. Go to Hilkiah the high priest and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. The kings before him had left the temple in disrepair. They'd put idols in the temple a bunch of demonic stuff. They'd had all kinds of things in there. I'm not going to get into all of it. It would make you blush, whether you're tan or not, okay? Bad stuff going on in the temple, perverted things. So he's restoring the temple. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But don't require, this is a unique uh, statement here. This is not for everybody. I don't recommend this. This is part of this story in his life, but I don't recommend this. He said, but don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Praise God. That is a unique situation. We always got to keep account, right? You expect what you uh, inspect, all right? Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, look at what he found. I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. That was a big deal, it seems like. They didn't have a copy of this book of the law. You're about to find out why or why we would believe that. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. The Jews and the folks in the Middle East have a unique way of showing their grief is they'll actually tear their clothes. I'm sure none of you have ever done that unless you were little and did it accidentally, but I don't know. I mean, that's an absolute show of grief, despair, humility, being upset. They would begin to tear their clothes. He tore his clothes when he heard the book of the law. Why? Because he'd never heard that before. He was the king of Israel and he'd never heard all of the word. He knew he was supposed to serve God. Scripture says he didn't turn to the right or the left. 
He knew just enough to be dangerous. I, some of us have been that way, right? When we don't read our Bible, we don't come to church, we don't check in on the live stream or whatever, we know just enough to be dangerous. You ever met a Christian who just knows just enough to be dangerous and they'll tell you crazy stuff? Well, doesn't the word say this? It's like, no, bro, it don't say that. You got to be careful. You got to read it for yourself. You got to listen to it for yourself. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. He was upset. The king was Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in his scroll. In the scroll. He was 26, but he had the presence of mind to say, you know what? We haven't been doing what God's word said. We're in trouble. He caught on to that real quick. That's why he tore his clothes. He's like, we've been dishonoring God. We've not been doing everything it says we must do. Next verse. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah. Man, we're going to get through these, these names in a minute, I promise. Wow. Went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to... Con here is interesting. This is an interesting point. You'd think the nation feels like it's falling apart. A new king just came into power 18 years before. You'd think he would go find the man of God. He would go find the, a, the previous something or other, someone who had experience. But you'd think, man, this time in history it would have been a man. Guess what? He sent his people to a woman of God. Very unique verse in Scripture. To consult with the prophet, many translations say, the prophetess, female prophet, Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva. Tikva, I believe, means gift in Hebrew. Son of Harhas. Wow, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Can you imagine you show up at a man or woman of God's house, and they say, God's already spoken. You better start trembling, right? The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people, this is her speaking for God now. you got a woman speaking for God. This is the thus saith the Lord moment. So says the Lord. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against them in this place, and it will not be quenched. God says, I'm going to satisfy my anger and my wrath here because I told them I would do it. They've done it blatantly against me for years now. But, someone say but. Oh, praise God for his mercy. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what, what was said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become what? Desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. God keeps record of all your tears, especially when your heart is humble before him. A religious heart, that doesn't bless God's heart. Anybody, see people say, why do, you, why do you keep saying religious? Why do you keep saying religious? In the word I'm using, religious, according to scripture, not the way the world uses it. He's a religious person. They're meaning he's a person or she's a person of faith. A religious person has a system of reaching God apart from God. A religious person says it's my works and how good I look. And how I walk and 
how, how, how long I wear my tie and how short I wear my tie and how I wear and how I do this and what I say and I say all the right stuff. No, no, no. God has always been concerned about our hearts. Somebody say about my heart. God's always about motives. I remember tell, growing up telling mom and dad sorry for stuff. And I was pretty humble here and there. <laughs> and there were times I was really humble and contrite when I said I was sorry. But other times, my mom and dad never hesitated to call me out. I'd say, I'm sorry. Mom would go, no, you're not. A what? How? She'd say, you're sorry. You remember this one? You're sorry you got caught. Some of y'all have heard that, and now some of y'all are telling your kids that. No, you ain't sorry. You're sorry because you think I'm going to take your phone away. But I'm going to get this phone and break it over your head, right? Just making sure y'all are listening. I do not condone that. I don't condone violence. God said, you were sorry. You humbled yourself, and you cried out in repentance. And because you were sorry, look at, look at what God said. I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. God said, what you did was so real to me, I'm going to do it after you come to live with me in heaven. I'll do it later after your life. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on the city because you were humble and you were repentant. So they took her message. Someone say, her message. Uh-huh, God uses men and women according to Scripture. They took her message back to the king. Then the Uh-oh, the king didn't slow down, though. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the what? From the least to the greatest. Everybody. There the king read. The leader of the country said, now I'm going to read to you what we found. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. How many of y'all know that was a lot of books? I don't know if that's Genesis through Deuteronomy, but those are the books of Moses, the book of the law. I don't know if it was all of Deuteronomy, but either way, that's a lot of chapters. That was before chapters. Look at this. This is what you're called to do to be an exceptional believer. The king took his place of authority. Take your place of authority in God. As a husband, as a wife, stop complaining. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming people. Take your place of authority. Someone say, my place of authority. I'm so tired of people blaming someone else, and they have not lived right in that area, and they have not obeyed God in that area. I've been there before. I've been there before where I was upset and mad at the world, but I hadn't taken my place of authority. And even more so now in the New Testament. Scripture says, because of the blood of Jesus, we are kings and priests. That's all of us. So you're children of God and kings and priests. You have all the rights and privileges that attain there too. Did you know I go to my dad's house? And I still ask because we're polite and we were raised right. But it's like I, when I ask, dad's always like, do whatever you want. I'm all, Dad, can I have some of your vitamin powder? We take these special vitamins. Dad, can I have it? He's all, go ahead. I said, Dad, can I make an, get an egg out of the refrigerator? Dad's always like, and you know what he tells me? Get whatever you want. I don't come in and go, Dad, you know, man, I've been living right and everything and give him a whole sp spiel, you know, man, but you got any extra chocolate lying around? I just want to nibble on it like a little mouse. I just want to nibble on it. I won't even bite it with the front of my teeth. I'll nibble on it with the side of my mouth like just a little bit. No. 
Dad's always, he's always showed us, and Mom did the same thing. He said, whatever's in my house is yours to use. And there's some things you got to ask for, right? You do. I don't just show up and take Dad's computer out of his house and walk out with it. Later on, he's like, man, I can't, what's going on here? I can't even do my, I can hear Dad going, I can't even do my stuff. What's wrong? And Dad, you know, this is how Dad said, what's wrong with you guys? You guys, I'm always like, Dad, it's just me. He's like, yeah, but what's wrong with you guys? That's Dad's polite way of saying, you're tripping. I think it's Pastor Joel Stockstill's, Joel Stockstill's dad. His saying was, that ain't it, Joel. What you're doing, that ain't it. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. No more there were kings before me. I'm hurt. I'm rejected. This ain't easy. This is tough. It's going to be hard to turn the nation around. Everybody's got excuses just like noses and opinions. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of casting the blame. I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired that you can go ahead and add in there sick and tired. I'm tired of that. And I've been there. Made excuses and said, oh, well, it's because, man, I was, I was hurt, man, and my, my leg hurts, and, man, I lost my hair because I was irresponsible. Whatever. What? When do we finally stand up and go, it's me, it's about me, I ain't right. I know, God, Jesus died for me, but something ain't right in me, and I need help. That's what the spiritual warfare classes are for. That's what Bible studies are for. That's what accountability is for. That's what Sunday morning and Wednesday nights are for. Let's give the Lord a clap offer today. I like this, and I'm going to read a few verses, a few more verses today. My apologies back there because I'm lit about this. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his what? Commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. I'm just keep reading in chapter 23 until I get tired. Commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. Someone say, all my heart and soul. Yeah, do it or don't do it at all. Right? Why half-step it? People do that all the time with marriage. I promise to be this and that for you and this and that for you, but when we get married, I'm going to just sit back on the couch with a remote and watch TV. Uh, no. I'm going to be gone every night of the week. Uh, no. I don't think so. You get married, then be married. You're going to be saved and walk saved, then be married to the Lord. You are his bride, Scripture says. You are the body of Christ. We're going to do all or nothing. Serve God first class. Let's take it up a level. What's above first class? Business class? Premier? People are like, no, that's not it, Pastor Matt. But you know what I mean. Go to the top level. And if you're going to serve the devil, that's between you and God, but go on with it. Why, Why wait? Do it. Do it all. Dad used to say that. Just be a big devil. You're going to serve God, then you are a saint of God, according to Scripture. The most carnal church in the Bible in the New Testament was the Corinthian church that we know of, uh, apart from the book of Revelation and the other churches that the apostle was dealing with there in Jesus. But they were doing crazy stuff, and the Lord called them the saints of God in Corinth. Saints. You say, don't, to be a santo, don't I have to be revered by... In, no, you are a saint of God by the blood of Jesus. That means you are right with God. You are now holy. So go be a saint or be a devil, but pick one. You can't do both. You can't be a saintly devil and you can't be a demonic saint. I've met some demonic saints. I'm like, dang, we need to get you saved again, right? 
In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, in the scroll and all the people pledged. This is important. All the people pledged themselves to the covenant. All because the king said, this is crazy. We're going to take action. Not in my house. Someone say, not in my house. Not in my house. Then, look, he's not done. Then the king instructed Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second rank, and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles, watch this, that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. I'm going to stop there because he just kept doing stuff. He was desecrating stuff and burning bones and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You should read, read into that. He made sure that he, he, he stepped in and did what was right. How many of you know we need, we need to have faith like that now? We're a New Testament church. It's time to go, enough's enough. I got my boundaries. I've had my limits. I said no, and we're going to do what's right now because it's now or never. Point one today, do what's right. Stop making excuses. It's a real simple word. Look, do what's right. I, I don't happen to know what's right. You happen to have a Bible? Do what's right. We, we cannot, look, we can't be lazy and weak anymore in some of these areas. We can't. We can't. Even if it brings an attack on you. Say, man, I don't know if I can speak up at work and tell them to stop telling those dirty jokes, man, when I'm around. You can you can and you will if you got a little bit of guts. If you have one gut. Some people have guts. Other people, have, they just have one gut. It's their last gut. Say, man, do it. This is, you're going to go out in a blaze of glory. Tell them, don't tell dirty jokes around me. It's surprising how people will actually honor and respect you. They may make fun of you when they're with the group, but they come to ask you for prayer later. Is that a soundtrack for my sermon? At least you don't blush like me, mijo. That's a remix. Do what's right. What are we waiting for? Most of the time, we have a clue about what's right. There are people that are blatantly ignorant. I know. But humans as a whole, especially in America, we've been exposed to right and wrong a lot. Come on, man. We got a clue. If not, we can ask God or authority or look it up in the Word. Line everything you do up. Line it up with the Word. That's how you do what's right. Period. Do What's right? Start today. Don't, don't wait. I've been having discussions with different men in my Bible study group, and it's accountability discussions, and it's touched my heart. Things that they've brought up to me. I said, man, Pastor Matt, I need help with this, or I need help with this, or I need to forgive, or I'm doing this, and it, it feels questionable to me. And it's touched my heart because now they know how to do what's right because I'm able to be a light to them. I'm able to be a light and say, Here's what's going on. Here's what my dad taught me, and here's how I live. All right? So do what's right. Number two, serve actively. You want to really find the joy of the Lord and get out of your rut and get out of the, this is a word, it's an interesting word, get out of the doldrums. You ever heard that word? The doldrums is a place in the ocean, I believe it's near South America, where ships go and they get caught in a current and they just go in a big wide circle and they're just stuck in a current. The doldrums. Like this. Yeah, I've been knowing the Lord a long time, but why are you so broke down and depressed and stuff? It's time to be a light. You get out in the world and they're drinking and having a good old time. And you know, sometimes that's just on the surface, but they see you and they're all, what's up with you? It's like, I'm just serving God, man. 
Just praise God. He's been so good to me, man. But I feel depressed, you know. And they're like, lighten up. Here's a cerveza. No, uh uh. <laughs> Don't go there. That'll, that'll weight, weight, weigh your load down there. <laughs> that will not lighten up anything. You need to be a light. And here's how you do it. Serve actively. I've had people tell me recently, man, Pastor Matt, I started serving, and it's doing something in me. They not only give love, they feel love. Can I just be real with y'all today? Y'all give me permission? Okay. Tighten your little muscles in your arms because it's about to come. It's coming your way. You don't serve God by simply going to church on Sunday or Wednesday. You serve God by actively participating. That'd be like me going to the gym going, man, Adrian, bring your kids. No, we, we all we'll play basketball, man. I'm in the game, but I'm on the sideline going, go get them, champs. <laughs> Not in the game. And y'all know me, even with an injury, I'll drag out there. I'm like, come on, pass me the ball. I'll shoot the open shot. I missed it. Pass it to me again. I'm in the game, man. I'm not going to just be a, a spectator. I'm going to be a participator. It's funny, though. There's people on the sidelines that never do anything. All they do is comment on the players, huh? Oh, man, he can't make that shot, but he took it. He took it. Yeah, it was a funky move, but that's okay. He was open. Let him, let him have it. Let her have it. They're, they're doing something. They're bringing it. Say, man, well, I didn't win, but you brought it. Serve actively. Be involved. You cannot do or live, Matthew 6.33, without serving. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? You, how do you put God first? Show up and help. Say, man, what can I, there's nothing I can do. Man, I still, once in a while, there's still things that I do that it's between me and God, but nothing is beneath me as a pastor. We're in a place now, praise God, we have good help. We have good department heads and different things. But if there's trash outside, you think I'm going to just wait until someone comes to get it? No. I serve, and it keeps me alive and having fun. And, man, I love it. And people don't even realize, did you know the folks that greet and help and serve here? It adds joy to their lives. It does. You say, man, are you getting on me? I think God's speaking to you. So you say, man, there's nothing I can do. Man, there's a nursery that needs volunteers. There's king's kids, older kids that need volunteers. We need volunteers here on Sunday morning. We need volunteers on the property. I'm telling you, there's always something to do. Hit me up if you don't know what to do. Well, I wouldn't expect you to just show up and start doing something anyway, right? Oh, pastor, don't, don't mind me. I'm painting the church a different color. <laughs> it's so, this paint job is so, no. I mean, you know, let's run it through accountability channels, right? But, I mean, let's serve actively. <laughs> you, you can't do or live, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God without serving and, and being concerned about the things of God. This king, he was concerned. He said, I'm so concerned. He said, I'm so concerned that he moved into the next one, number three. He humbled himself. He was so concerned about the things of God, he said, oh, my gosh, Lord, we have not done right. He tore his clothes. He said, we have been tripping as a nation. We have forgotten about you. They didn't have the book of the law. They didn't have the, the Bible, right, or certain parts. I don't know what they had, but they found the book of the law. And they were Jewish people, and it had been so many years since they'd served God. He, they stumbled across it in the temple. All that was in the temple was a bunch of idols and junk. Got all that out, and then they started to see, oh, my gosh, this is what the word says. 
This is what the word says, and he humbled himself. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want to attract God to your situation? Humble yourself. And I don't mean a fake humility. I remember one movie, I don't remember, uh, I think the name of the movie was actually called Angels and Demons. It was one of those uh, brown movies with Tom Hanks in it. There was a guy in the movie, and he was humbling himself like this. Just so weird. That's not how you do it. I won't give you the rest of the details of that scene because it's pretty weird. But I'm going to tell you right now, God knows humility by the content of your character, what's in your heart. Humble yourself. I don't need credit for everything. I just want to be right with God. God's, hey, and here's the crazy thing. When you don't lift yourself up and put yourself up on a pedestal, God honors you. You do stuff in secret. Scripture says those things done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. You don't have to shout it from the rooftops. I had people give, and I wasn't looking for it, and they came and honored me for something, and I'm like, I don't, I don't even, really? People told me, man, it touched me when you did that. You said that to me, and you didn't even know. I'll tell you a story one time. There was a lady. She was in a divorce, and she told me, you know, she, her husband had cheated on her. Her, her husband had gone to our church when we were kids, and he was just a nut. But she told me one time, she said, we were in college together. She was a little younger than me, and she said, man, I just, oh, life's been rough, and so-and-so cheated on me. I have kids, and I'm going to go be a lawyer. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know she was that smart. I didn't know her like that. She was cool. We'd always been cool, had a good relationship. She said, I'm going to go be a lawyer. And all I knew was, I'll be honest with you, I was running from the call of God at that time. I wasn't just out in the world, but I was telling the Lord, Lord, bless me with a lot of money, and I'll give it to your kingdom. I ain't trying to be a pastor or a preacher or anything early 20s and she talked to me because we were old friends and she was bummed she was bothered she looked depressed she said but I'm gonna go to college I'm gonna go and get my law degree we were at USW together I didn't know I didn't know she was smart like that and I just said you know what you can do it if you think that's what you're supposed to do and you're called to do go do it and we'll see you again I just spoke what I felt in my heart at that time it was real simple Later, I don't even know how she got my email address. I don't remember. I think I had a Leco email address at the time. And she emailed me and said, thank you for your encouraging words. I never forgot. I'm about to graduate from law school. I was like, girl, go get them then. She's a lawyer now. Been practicing forever. Found a husband who loves her. And I, I didn't know. But God knew. And you, man, when you humble yourself, look, when you take the time to talk to someone, you may think someone, oh, well, I don't know if they're worth my time. I had someone who used to say, how can they help me in my life? I'm like, you ain't going to get help from nobody because everybody can help you in your life, and you can help them. Everybody has something to offer. Even the craziest of people, they can teach you what not to do. <laughs> I have lots of teachers in my life like that. I'm like, thank you for helping me. You're a blessing. I'm never going to do what you did because you're a nutcake. Humble yourself and learn. Humble yourself and say, it's me and not everybody around me all the time. Humble yourself and say, I need God and what he's promised me. Some, humble yourself and say, I need healing. Pastors teach in spiritual warfare class. And the prerequisite now for our um, surge program is that you have gone through the spiritual warfare class at some time. But even right now, Sister Adrian's teaching a forgiveness class. It's too late to get into that class. But I'm just letting you know, there's always stuff going on. And there's people in that class, I don't have to be in there to know this, they're humbling themselves. When you forgive, it says, you, you said, man, 
I wanted to beat them up. I wanted this and that. I wanted God to judge them and send fire down. And at some point you just said, I just humble myself and I let it go, God. I let God deal with people. I let God deal with people. I do. Because I, you think I can deal with people like God? My mom used to say that. She said, you think you got a way that's really going to get to people that's going to deal with them like God would deal with them? No. God knows how to get to people. Let him deal with them. And you humble yourself because God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Humble yourself. And after you've humbled yourself, number four, take action like King Josiah did. When is the best time to start, I ask you today? Right now. Right now. Don't wait anymore. You believe and you move on it. Somebody says, oh, Pastor Matt, what do I do? I have people hit me up all the time because God's speaking to them. He's dealing with them. Say, man, I need to start reading the Bible. Where do I start? I always have an answer for that. They're a beginner. I'll just put them somewhere. I said, start here and keep reading. Start there and keep reading. Start now. It's time to take action. What are we waiting for? So let's go through those four points again. Let's start with number one. Number one, do what's right. How do you do that? You line up your life and your actions with God's word. Number two. Serve actively. You, you don't want to just be a spectator. Be a participator. Get in the game. Start now. Number three, humble yourself. Say, that's not the job I wanted. Uh-huh. Simple, humble jobs have great honor. Can you imagine being the butler to the king? Can you imagine serving the king of England? Say, I, don't, I ain't serving nobody. Yeah, but you get to live in the king's house. Humble yourself, man. God's working on it. He's working in you through this. Time to humble yourself. Say you need God. You can't do it without him. You need others too. And number four, take action. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we honor you today. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness, Lord God. If there is anyone at the sound of my voice, the live streamer in this house, who says, I just need to get my heart right with Jesus right now. I just need to get my heart right with the Lord. Would you raise your hand today? God bless you. God bless you for your courage. Thank you. Thank you. God sees you, and that's what's most important. Praise God. It could be anything. You say, man, I, I did something I shouldn't have done. I said something I shouldn't have said. I was, I've had some rough thoughts towards someone. Whatever it is, we're going to make sure your heart is right with God. But I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer first, Okay. I want everybody to join me because that's for those on the live stream. Maybe there's someone who's never accepted Jesus. So then I'll incorporate a prayer of recommitment with a sinner's prayer. Go ahead and raise your hands today in this house. Everybody in the house say, Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. Now cleanse me by the blood that he shed on Calvary. I know he lived and died and rose again for me. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I am right with God because of what he did. I am saved by faith from myself, from sin, and from hell. And now pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I recommit my life to you. I can walk all these steps and move away from you, but all I've got to do is turn around, humble myself, and repent and be back in your arms. I believe. Forgive me, please, Lord. Cleanse me in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet real quick, if you would, please.
I want you to look at me. And if something in that message was for you today, something, anything, anything at all, man, one line, one word, one verse, one thought, I want you to raise your hand today. Say, man, there was something in there for me, and God really got my attention with that. Praise God, because there was so much of that in there for me. Let's pray. I'm going to pray over you now. Father, the word that your people have received, these are your people. We are bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh, God. We are your people, the bride of Christ, Lord God. We are the body of Christ. What function we feel, Lord, that is between us and you and our authority. But, Lord God, I thank you that every word spoken today fell on good ground. It was for convicting and for, for correcting and for reproving and for edifying and for building up and for teaching and for transformation, God, as well. I thank you today that your word has fallen on good ground. We will put it into action. We commit as your people, the sheep of your pasture, your flock, and we will fear not as we obey your word. We thank you, Father.